This is The Engine Room, Home Church Scotland's leadership podcast. Leadership is the driving force behind any organisation. Thanks for joining us as we share some of the things that we've learned on our leadership journey. We're in the traits of the greats. We're looking at great biblical characters and what we can learn from them. Uh, thanks to Mike for stepping in last week when I was not well and looking at Gideon. Uh, I'm going way back to the start to uh, one of the very, very early, if not the first example of a solid, proper leader in the Bible. Uh, and I'm going to be looking at Noah today. Uh, so we're going to be looking at Noah. Uh, and there's a number of lessons to take from Noah's life and I'm going to try and shed some light on as much of it I can. I love Noah, I, I, I love particularly Noah's faith. I love particularly the fact that actually for Noah it was blind faith that didn't make any sense what he was doing but he still had faith even though he couldn't see, even though it didn't make sense. He had faith in God. I love the fact he was obedient to God's command to build a big massive boat despite the fact it had never really rained. Uh, you know, that was something quite special. Um, and it's thanks to Noah's obedience to God that we're actually here today. That's quite, when you think about that, you know what I mean? Like we're here today because some guy way back then was obedient to God. So your obedience to God can, can have way, way bigger impact than what you ever think it's going to have. Um, I, I kind of contemplated reading the story of Noah but it's actually quite long and it would take me a lot of time can I, can I understand that being in a room full of Christians that we know the story of Noah so that if I go ahead with some points folk are going to understand without is that okay uh, the, the first thing that I believe the first leadership lesson that I believe we can take from Noah and by the way, as we go through these different greats, there might be some stuff that repeats, but that's okay, because it, it's good to know that that's consistent among leaders. There might even be some stuff today that's specific to Noah's life that I've, all, that I've also said before, but that's kind of okay. But one of the main things I notice about Noah is that, is that character is more important than gifting. And I don't know I've shared that before, but it's really, really pertinent within the story of Noah. Noah wasn't chosen to build the ark and to lead his family out of the, the danger that he was in because he was a good speaker or because he had uh, led stuff or, or, or all of that stuff. Uh, he was chosen by God because of his character. The Bible's talking about in a generation that was terrible and so far away from God and a, and a horrific world and, and just sin all over the place and the cruelty and the violence and all that of the world that God somehow found Noah righteous, said Noah was a righteous man. I think it's Genesis 6. Somewhere blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God. And righteous, Noah was a righteous man. Righteous, if you look at the dictionary definition of righteous, it's just morally right or justifiable and I think both of those things were right I think Noah had different morals than everyone else so God could use him but also the grace of God justifies us even when we're not 100% right if we're surrendered to him and I think Noah had both those things so he was a righteous man he was blameless among the people of his time and he walked faithfully with God which means he just was a guy who consistently followed God and if you're someone who consistently follows God, if you're someone who consistently walks with God, if you make a decision that you want to live a righteous life and a, a morally right 
life and you're going to do what you can to live blameless, then God can use you for things that someone that you might think has more ability than you will go overlooked for. So character is more important than gifting, really, really clear in the life of Noah and the calling of Noah. Uh, point two, uh, leaders obey God. That seems really, really simple, but it's not always done. Uh, Samuel, 1 Samuel 15 verse 22 said, Does the Lord delight in burnt offerings and sacrifices as much as in obeying the Lord? To obey his, to obey, sorry, is better than sacrifice and to heed is better than the fat of rams. Now put that in a little bit of context without going into too much of it this morning. Burnt offerings was literally how these people like repented and it was worship to God. And God saying to obey me is more important than any of that. So obedience to God is huge, more important than anything. If you want to be a leader, I think, to be honest, as a Christian, I think if you want to be a leader in any sphere of life, you need to obey God. I've learned that in the business world. I need to obey God with my business, whereas before I've not done that and got into trouble, even though it's not church, even though it's a secular thing. As a Christian, everything that I'm involved in in my life, I have to obey God and I have to be listening to God and being tuned into God and how I run my business or how I lead church or how I lead my family and all of that has all got to be in submission to God. So leaders obey God. If you're not willing to obey God, you're never ever going to be a leader. It's certainly not of a Christian establishment. Point number three, leaders stand strong in the minority. Uh, Genesis 6, I'm going to read a wee bit of the story. Genesis 6 uh, from verse 5 says, The Lord saw how great the wickedness of the human race had become on the earth, that every inclination of the thoughts of the human heart were only evil all of the time. The Lord regretted that he had made human beings on earth, and his heart was deeply troubled. So the Lord said, I will wipe from the face of the earth the human race I've created, and with them the animals, the birds, and the creatures that move along the ground, for I regret that I have made them. Then it says, but Noah found favor in the eyes of the Lord. So we've got this totally corrupt world. We've got a world that's as evil as evil gets. Can you imagine in the face of evil like that, I mean, we think of the world today and some of the stuff that comes against us, right? Can you imagine a world like that, as evil as that, uh, full of ridicule uh, and, 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 and scorn and all that, and amongst it, here's some guy building a massive boat in a place that's never rained because God told him to. Can you imagine what would have came against Noah? I mean, I know, but just try and imagine being that guy, having to having to work on something publicly that God told you to do when the whole entire world thought you were an idiot and thought and, and would be laughing, would come under such persecution that every time someone walked past the boat, he must have got some amount of pelters as he's sitting there every day sanding stuff and fixing stuff and, and all of that stuff in front of people that have never experienced rain, never mind a flood, like so much rain that the world is flooded. And I think it would have been really, really easy for Noah to give up. Think how on earth did he not give up? Because sometimes, even today, particularly in church leadership, um, I know Mike and Bevel have a lot of experience of this, you can, you can come under such attack and ridicule and, and scorn and problems that it's just like, I can't do this anymore. 
I give up. But then when you realise that Noah built the ark over a hundred years and think he put up with that for a hundred years, ridicule and scorn. And I, I just think, I, I just think it's amazing. He must have been tempted to give up. Um, but he stuck to his guns. He kept building the ark. He built it to completion. And in the same way, we need to know what God's called us to do and we need to stick to it, even if it's just us who believes it. Even if, even if everyone is against you, even if everyone's telling us we've heard wrong, we need to stick to what God has said. And I kind of made a point on this before about there's too many people within church like minister to the minority or preach to the minority to try and keep the minority happy, but we, we can't do that. Leaders stand strong if they're the minority and they stand strong against the majority. It's really, really important as Christians and particularly Christian leaders to, uh, to recognise that the majority is not always right. The majority is often wrong. Certainly, I mean, look at the decisions that are getting made in Parliament and the people that are voting for stuff. The majority are voting for stuff that they should not be voting for. So majority doesn't mean right because 100 people or 99 people out of 100 think something's right doesn't mean it's right. So we need to be very, very, very careful that we're following God always and not the minority. And if you follow God, you're going to get mocked. If you follow God, you're going to get ridiculed. You can expect criticism from those who are in the majority. But uh, we don't pander to criticism or pressure or majorities. We obey God and follow God. Okay, next point, I think is it number four? Yeah, number four. Leaders build favour with God and not man. Uh, Galatians 1 verse 10 says, Am I now trying to win the approval of human beings or of God? Or am I trying to please people? If I were still trying to please people, I would not be a servant of Christ. You can't please people and please God all of the time. Sometimes... In pleasing God, you can please some of the people, because but you can't please everybody. You can't be a people pleaser and a God pleaser at the same time. Uh, and Christian leaders, or to be honest, just Christians in general, we need to be brave enough to be different. We need to be bold enough to be different, despite what comes against us. There's no amount of ridicule. There's no amount of attack that can ever take away from God's purposes over your life. If God's spoken something, that's it. If God's leading you to something, you need to stay focused on that. If we try and please people, we can't please God. Our main priority in life is to please God. If we please nobody else in this life but God, we're doing okay. And actually, if we're consistent in our character and we're consistent in trying to please God as we go through life, some of the majority who are ridiculing you might actually start following you and might actually start going with you. So we need to be consistent in pleasing God and not man. Number five, and I think this one's really important. I like this one. Leaders don't make excuses or leaders don't find excuses what you can find or make. Leaders don't find excuses and leaders don't make excuses. Genesis 7, 5 tells us that Noah did everything that God commanded him. Now God gave Noah this massive big list of how to make the ark. It was really, really specific. And Noah went ahead and done all of it. And one of the things that sets Noah apart from everyone else at that time on the earth 
is that no excuses attitude. If God had approached someone else, they might have been met with a whole lot of excuses. Like, well, how am I going to do that? But what are people going to think? But where am I going to get the food? But where's all the animals going to come from? But what do you mean rain? I've never seen rain before, but that doesn't make sense. Noah could have chucked a hundred excuses at God as to why he thought that this didn't make any sense, but he just did everything God asked him without complaint, without question, and without excuse. And I love that because I've seen people far too often in life miss out on the call of God because they're making excuses, financial excuses, uh, family pressures, work pressures, uh, people against them pressures. There's, there's all, we could talk ourselves out doing anything if we want to. If we want to find an excuse to not serve God, we'll find an excuse. If we want to find an excuse to not be in church, we won't be at church. I've seen in my life as a, as a pastor, uh, as a Christian, but particularly as a pastor, is people sometimes want to make an excuse to remove themselves. It's really, really bizarre. Like nothing's happened, but they want to find something that's happened to justify their feeling that they can't be bothered with following God anymore or, 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 or whatever. And it's really, really, really hard. But if you want to be a leader, if you want to be a Christian leader, we don't find excuses. We don't make excuses. We get the call of God and we go for it. Um, we are really, really bad thinking, but God, that, that person's better qualified than me. But God, that person's got more gifting than me. But God, that person over there would be better at this than me. But again, and I know you'll have heard this before, but I take so much, I take loads of courage, man, because I make mistakes all the time. God doesn't call us to come qualified. He just calls us to come. He just calls us to be willing. Um, and he he, he works with people who are willing to follow his instructions. Following God's instruction is way more important than any amount of education you could ever have or any skill set you could ever have. Are you willing just to follow God? It doesn't take qualification. It just takes a willingness. And as Ella said at conference, and she, she, was, she was bang on actually, sometimes we just need to get over ourselves and go on with it. Like, sh shut up, but moaning about I can't I'm no good enough and just go on with what God's called you to do whether it makes sense or not whether you think you can achieve it or not it's irrelevant if God's called you to something he will equip you for it every single time uh, so leaders don't find excuses uh, number six or seven I'm losing count six thank you very much let me recap right character is more important than gifting leaders obey God Leaders stand strong in the minority. The majority is not always right. Leaders build favor with God and not man. And leaders don't find excuses. So next one, leaders finish what they start. Or leaders are consistent. You can use whatever one you want for that. Leaders finish what they start. Or leaders are, cons are consistent. James 1 verse 2 says this, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish its work in you, that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. We're going to go through some stuff at times. We're going to go through difficulty. Um, but consider pure joy when you face trials of many kinds. I promise you, if you ever step out in any form of Christian leadership for anything, you will face trials of many kinds. That's just something that's going to happen. Some of them will be your own doing. Some of them won't be your own doing. You're going to face trials of many kinds. Uh, and we have to consider it pure joy because that stuff 
produces perseverance. Uh, and we've to let perseverance finish its work. Christians are called to let to finish their work, to finish the race, to be faithful all the way to the end. When I think about Noah, uh, again, as I touched on, like day in and day out, and week in and week out, and month in and month out, and year in and year in, year out, and then decade after decade, he just kept building this ark. That's perseverance. That's incredible. Perseverance. Um, and it's also an example of we are called to live according to the word of God and according to the calling of God and not according to our feelings. I guarantee you, at some point during the hundred years of building the ark, Noah questioned himself. I guarantee it. I bet you his feelings at points were, what am I doing? What's going on here? Did I really hear right? Because he was a human, right? I guarantee he went, all, he went through all of those emotions, but he was absolutely assured of what God had said. He was absolutely assured of what God asked him to do. And so he persevered and he kept going and he finished it. And I think, can you imagine the kind of motivation it took to finish a project like that? How many of us are still keeping up with our New Year's resolution and we're only in March, right? We, we, don't, we don't really do that. But Noah, he just persevered. He just kept on going. Um, and I, I think that's incredible. And when I think about what Noah was called to do, have you ever, been, have you ever felt called to do something huge and you just don't know how to do it? How on earth does Noah, like... I don't, I don't believe he was a joiner, you know, to trade as such. Um, how did he build an ark? One plank at a time. I mean, it's one bit of wood at a time. And he kept going. And we can get all concerned about how do I get there? It's just one step at a time. It's just one small thing at a time, one small move forward at a time. Um, so if we just keep moving forward, one wee step at a time, we're going to achieve incredible things for God. And again, when I think about Noah finishing things and I think about perseverance, even after the ark was built, there was a waiting game to get on the ark and then to wait and rain to come. And then after it had rained 40 days, they had to wait cages for the rain to recede. And then they had to get out and they had to rebuild their lives. And they had to, like there was so much stuff that they had to do and they had to persevere and they had to go through. But in the end, it was all worth it because they, they literally saved the future of mankind under God's uh, guidance and obviously in, instructions. So I want to encourage people today, if you're waiting on something, the outcome's worth it. If you're really struggling with how long you've been waiting on an answer or, or a breakthrough or, or for something to finish, what God's planned is always worth it. What Noah went through was worth it. And what we are going through is worth it. We just need to be patient. Starting things is actually quite easy. No, everyone can start things, but an awful lot of people can start things. Um, but way less people can endure things to the end. There's an awful lot of quitters and an awful lot of people who just who give up before they finish the race. We're called to finish the race. And I, I so want to finish the race well. It's like so, so, so important to me that I finish the race well. You see these people, like your, your Ravi Zacharias and your pastors and spiritual leaders that done so well, so faithfully for so long and just didn't finish the race, didn't finish their calling, slipped up, messed up. It's heartbreaking. 
what's the point pouring your life into serving God when you destroy your testimony with an act of folly? You know, we need to finish the race. We need to finish the race. So Christians are consistent. Leaders are consistent. They start what they finish. Also, Christian leaders should always be evangelizing. If you're a Christian leader, evangelism is just something that we should be doing. When we look at Noah, great spiritual leader, he had character when no one else did, uh, and he sought after righteousness when it wasn't popular. He worked hard for God when it didn't seem profitable in the world's economy. But what he kept doing the whole time was just telling folk about God, telling folk to repent, telling folk to... And they need to listen to him. But he still kept going. Well, what we can do is... Uh, we've tried evangelizing a couple of times and it's not really worked, so we're not going to try it anymore. I've spoke to a few folk at the Tesco counter and they looked at me like I was a Fruit Loop, so I'm not going to do it again. I've tried to speak to my family, but they hated me, so I'm not going to... Do you know what I mean? Like we, we, we take the knocks off the nose and so we don't keep trying. Noah... Noah witnessed for a hundred years and nobody accepted it, but he kept witnessing anyway. He kept saying the rain's coming. He kept saying, I mean, uh, and, and if anyone at that time had repented, God would have let them onto the ark, by the way. If any one of them had, had listened to what Noah had had to say, then they and their families would have been saved as well. But Christian leaders, no matter what we're called to do, we're not going to be called to build an ark, but whatever we're called to build, whatever we're called to focus on, if you're a Christian leader, you've always got an eye on evangelism as well. You've always got an eye on the, the, the lost people out there that are going to a lost eternity and we want to bring them into church and we want to, to bring them with us. So Christian leaders are always evangelizing. Um, I'm nearly done. True leaders fear God. Uh, um, by faith, it says this in Hebrews eleven seven. by faith, uh, Noah being divinely warned of things not yet seen, moved with godly fear. Noah did what he did because of a fear of letting God down. He prepared uh, an ark for the saving of his household by which he condemned the world and became heir to the righteousness which is according to faith. Uh, Noah did what he did because of a godly fear. One of the biggest issues I see in the church today, never mind the world today, one of the biggest issues I see in the church today is a massive lack of the fear of God. You've got people, I've had conversations with people in my time as a Christian, and you're like, you need to, you need to lay down that life that you're living because it's no honor to God, it's contrary to what the Bible would teach you. But the reason for not laying it down is, but if I... For example, if I lay that relationship down, I'm going to hurt that person. That's unfortunate, but better hurting that person than hurting God. But, you know, I mean, we, 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 we fear people way more than we fear God. We fear people's reaction way more than we fear God. We fear people's upset way more than we fear God. The fear of God's the beginning of wisdom. If we want to have wise leadership, we have to fear God. If I don't do, if I don't do that, how does that affect God? If I make this decision, how does that decision affect God? How, that has to be in our head all the time. If it was, we would live differently, wouldn't we? Let's be honest. If we truly feared God, we would live differently. But if you want to be a leader in the world of uh, the kingdom of God, we have to fear God. 
Um, two more things. Leaders are not, attempt to, are not afraid to attempt what's never been done. If you want to be a good godly leader, sometimes you're going to maybe need to attempt something that nobody's tried before. Nobody had tried to build an ark before. Nobody had been, uh, been called to build an ark before. And Noah could have went back in time and spoke to everyone who'd ever existed from Adam. He wouldn't have found anyone that could give him any practical experience whatsoever as to what God had called him to do. And yet that's what God called him to do. And look at what it accomplished. And one of the things we can get, we can make the mistake of in the church and in the, the world of the kingdom of God is not trying anything new or just doing the same thing over and over and over and over again. Now some stuff is brilliant and we should keep doing it. But there, there will be times as a leader where you're called to attempt something new and that's okay. And there's times as a leader that by attempting something new you're going to fall flat on your face but that's okay as long as we're trying and we're keeping trying to move forward. Um, I love trying new things, you probably noticed. But I don't think leaders are afraid to, attempt what, to, afraid to attempt what's never been done before, as we can see here through the life of Noah. And lastly, and then I'm going to just give you a couple of questions to ponder as I finish. You're never too old to build. That's really, really important, right? You're never too old to build. There's no retirement no retirement in the kingdom of God. As many people can hear, can testify to. There's no retirement. Um, Noah, Noah was really old when God asked him to do this. And then he spent 100 years doing it. And then he lived for another 350 years uh, after it. Um, I, I, I had a wee think this morning about what, what would have happened if certain men and women of God retired at, at the typical age, if there was such a thing as retirement, Noah wouldn't have built an ark. And Abraham and Sarah wouldn't have had Isaac. And Moses wouldn't have delivered God's people. And Joshua wouldn't have led the Israelites into Canaan. And Caleb wouldn't have possessed a mountain. Paul wouldn't have gone on his second and third missionary journeys. Like I could, There's so much stuff in scripture of people who just keep going and God gives them strength to keep going. And that's why I say so often it's so, so crazy important to me that we have a church with every age represented in it and every age pulling their weight and every age working together. Everyone's got stuff to offer. But if you are of the legacy generation in this church, you'll be pleased to know there's a whole lot for you to do. There's a whole lot left for you to accomplish. And... Uh, You'll never stop. I'm talking about retiring at 60, but I'm going to retire from church senior leadership at 60. I'm not going to retire from the kingdom of God because you can't really do that. I kind of hope I'm a bit late early. I just keep going like a Duracell bunny. Do you know what I mean? <laughs> I was like, just keep going. I hope, I hope, I hope God doesn't send me to Africa. But uh, I'm aware by my age God hadn't sent you to Africa either. <laughs> so anyway, I've, I've told God I'm not really up for Africa. Any, anywhere that doesn't have chips, I don't really want to go. Um, so God might, God might have other plans, I don't know. So be encouraged by that, man. Doesn't matter what age we are, we've got stuff to achieve. There's a few beautiful people in this church that have said to me, and a few of you in this room have said to me over the time, I just wish I was younger. Don't wish you were younger because we need you guys as you are. We need, we need the wisdom. We need the encouragement. I've said before and I'll say it again. Like, 
plus, I would say, plus 60 age group in the church are the most important generation in the church. Churches will rise and fall based on the encouragement uh, of that generation of people. It really does. That generation can destroy a church. (laughs) No, it's true. That generation can encourage like you wouldn't believe or they can knock down like you wouldn't believe. Uh, And the the call is to encourage and the call is to um, just keep, like keep being kind, keep loving people, keep like caring about others in the next generation more than we care about ourselves. If, 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 and that's my aim as a plus 60, if our plus 60s can do that, you have no idea the impact you'll have. The most important generation in the church. So don't let anyone else kid you on otherwise. But I'm encouraged by that. I kind of want to retire, but there's definitely no retirement in the Bible. So I don't think retirement's really an option. So we'll see what God wants to do with that. So I just want to give you 10 questions that you can write down if you want, or if you're listening to the podcast, 10 questions to consider in view of what I've said today. 120 years is a long time to stand in faith to believe for something to come. So I want to ask, do you have difficulty holding fast to your faith when you don't see answers right away? What do you do daily? to keep you holding on until the promise comes to fruition? That's question number one. Do you have difficulty holding fast to your faith when you don't see answers right away? Question two, how do you handle impatience, mockery, and being different? How do you handle that? Question three, how do you respond when you find yourself in the minority with regard to your faith? Question four, do you find that your obedience to God shines a light on the disobedience of others? And how do you respond to that? Question five, this is a good one. Would God say that you are obedient? And what do you, what do you think? But would God say that you're obedient? What do you think? ask myself questions like that a lot. Would God say that I'm like this? Would God, that's a really, really important, good question to be asking. Question six, how do you keep from conforming to the world? How do you make sure you're not conforming to the world? How do you keep yourself right? Uh, Question seven, what makes you different from everybody else in the world? Number eight, When you have the option of making excuses, do you? Or do you follow God's call? Really important question. Uh, Question nine, do you finish what you started? If not, what will you do to change that? And lastly, how passionate are you about evangelism? And in what ways are you currently evangelizing? I think these are good questions to ask yourself and they can help us settle whether we're following correctly or not the example of Noah. Hey guys, thanks for joining us for The Engine Room. Why not follow or subscribe to this podcast and feel free to do the same to our social media pages as well as our YouTube channel. Find out more about our church at homechurchscotland.org.